0: Greetings, and welcome to The Thirsty Mage, the podcast that is always geared up for a good fight. I am your host and Thirsty Mage Community Manager, David Lloyd, and this week is the first Patreon-suggested topic that we'll be covering on The Thirsty Mage. As recommended by Ben, we'll be discussing our favorite boss battles and RPGs, and the elements that make them stand out from their peers. But before we start the show, we just wanted to remind everyone, for more details on the benefits that come with joining our video game club, please head on over to patreon.com slash thethirstymage. But if Patreon just isn't your thing, that's okay. You can also help out the show by leaving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice. But now that the uh, business stuff is out of the way, let's meet who we have on the show this week. Starting with the man known as the final boss in the heartland of British Columbia, NWR Reviews Editor Jordan Rudick. Today was spent like I was trying to get I was
1: trying to get a PS Five another PS Five for a friend. So I spent I've probably broken my refresh key on my keyboard. Um, I don't know. Uh, it it was it was crazy like i woke up super early to try to try to get one from toys r us and that didn't fly uh and then uh best buy the uh, the source uh for i guess uh, which was formerly radio shack um best buy walmart amazon the dominoes fell one by one uh at to, to no success so um, I, I know, uh, obviously, like, I, I have one coming, it's great, like, I gave, I got one today, I gave that to my brother, uh, cause he, he had a couple days off, so he wanted to, he wanted to, uh, play during his days off, so, obviously, he's probably knee-deep in Demon's Souls right now, and that's fine, uh, I think, uh, my console and David's are coming next week, so not too long to wait, uh, but hey, it also means we get to, uh, do a podcast without being distracted, so that's a good thing, too.
0: Yeah, that's uh... I'm I'm very happy that uh, there was no hesitation. The you know a few months ago when the, it was time to pre-order and, and got into Best Buy early on and uh, just just made the call then not no ounce of regret. So I'm looking forward to getting that console next week. Mm-hmm. And uh, also joining us is the Slayer of World of Warcraft noobs worldwide, the better half of the Talk Nintendo podcast, Casey Gibson.
2: Well, I won't be joining you guys on the, the PS5 train just yet. Eventually, I mean, I, I was hoping uh, this month would be finally, you know, get to play Final Fantasy Seven Remake, uh, but soon enough, soon enough, yeah, it actually reminds me, back when the PS4 launched, I didn't have a pre-order, and I, I, I too woke up early, and I remember I had just started, like, a new job, I got up at, like, 5 in the morning and then I also had a plan to drive from Long Island up to Buffalo, so it was pretty much the longest day ever. But I didn't get a pre-order um, at the store. I ended up getting one at Sam's Club, but I did go to Target. And I remember them having a two for like buy two get one free. So I had a bunch of PS4 games, but not the system. But uh, yeah, I mean, who? What else would we want to be doing on the launch, the night of the launch of PS5, than than talking about uh, some non-related. <laughs> rpg bosses well it's the uh, it's the best way of uh,
0: getting getting rid of the uh, the jitters i guess you say the 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 non-non-console-in-your-hands jitters uh, even though it is launch day no, no fomo over here right <laughs> that's right
1: the the real final boss was just trying to get one <laughs> from one of the numerous retailers today so that was that was the final boss i was up against this week and i uh, soundly went down to defeat
0: yeah, my final boss is Canada Post, and uh, <laughs> and, and making sure that it g- it gets here at a, in a reasonable time. They're them, undefeated. But, uh, unfortunately, with yeah, they're undefeated. There's there's nothing I can do but hit that refresh button and uh, and uh, pray to Adios, I guess. So, and uh, rounding out the group, a monster hunter who can instill fear In the strongest of Rathalos. Ladies, gamers, writer Paige Detleson
3: Hey, uh, I don't know. I think Rathalos can be pretty annoying. <laughs> have
0: you have you gotten um? Is Rathalos is in like, is a recurring monster in most of the Monster Hunters, right? Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, he's almost basically a mascot monster. Um, the Rathalos and Rathian. Um, remember recently I did like the Rathalos and Rathian together fight. Um, so. Uh, but yeah, I got I got spam attacked because I got um like stunned from a roar and then like fireballed and ran into like oh yeah poison yes poisoned stunned and then flew into me yeah i don't i don't know so... a ton
0: about monster hunter but the one thing i do is a uh, the yeah. wrath of yeah they're
3: not um they're sort of like a series flagship rather than being like you know they're not like the main fight of a game or something because they're pretty much in most of them but you know you still have to pay attention to what you do in a fight one <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess rathlos is like the Sid of the Final Fantasy universe. So, he's he's never uh, he's never a boss, but he's always there.
3: Possibly, yeah, I, th- I think so. I don't think there's a game that doesn't have it. So,
0: already, uh, Jordan, would you like to uh, kick off tonight's drink discussion with uh, whatever sugary concoction you may have tonight?
1: Sure. So uh, I said before we start recording, I'm trying to uh, go without coffee uh, for a month. So no. No decaf, no full calf, uh, no no cap, no no frappuccinos, no lattes, no nothing like that. Uh, just no coffee to,
0: bean November. No, yes, that's right. My own
1: my own personal November is skipping coffee instead of growing. I, I I mean I haven't shaved in a few days, but uh no um yeah I I'm trying to do, obviously we're trying to save a little bit of money we're we're thinking we're trying to trying to move next year uh so that's part of it it's just uh you know half the time when you go to get a coffee sometimes you get you get like a snack or you get a you know. Uh, a pastry or something and it, it adds up. So trying to just to tighten the belt a little bit. Uh I say that after you know just mentioned dropping $700 on a PS5 yeah. buying two PS5. Yeah, exactly. yeah, right. <laughs> um yeah, so that that did, that part didn't help, but uh yeah, um I, for you know, it's more for the purpose of just you know seeing if I can uh just feel better wellness, you know, if I can cut out something and just see some self control that meant that too, you know, like it, it's hard to give up something you you kind of look forward to, uh, or it's just part of your routine. So, uh, try to break that routine, get into some bad, healthier ones, I guess. Um, uh, what I've got, uh, tonight is, uh, another, horitos uh, drink. Uh, so I think last time I talked about the fruit punch one, I've got a mango one tonight, um, and this might be a thirsty mage and Jordan Rudek first, uh, but I think it's too sweet. I, I, I don't know if I've ever said that <sighs> about any drink, uh, certainly any 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 soft drink. Um, I yeah, it's very very sweet. Um, it's it's okay kind of when you're eating food at the same time, but I've had a few sips um, uh, just from uh, from from my cup after dinner, and yeah, it's 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 very it's good. Like I, I like the mango flavor. It's very strong. But uh, it's it's definitely sweeter than the fruit punch, I think, and um, yeah, a little more sickly sweet than I like, and so uh, yeah, I know I need to you know give back my my soft drink or my pop card here, uh, cash it in, but um, yeah, the Hueritos mango, um, I'm not sure I would get this one again. Uh, it's just um, maybe it's maybe it's combining with me trying to cut out sugar from some other parts, and so I'm noticing the sugar more uh, in my in my pop, but um yeah it's a good flavor again of mangoes it's very strong but uh just a little too sweet for me
0: it's like uh, me saying that there's uh, too much alcohol in this beer <laughs> well,
1: if there's too much i was gonna say mango
2: sort of has that i don't know to me it, it's too much you know what i mean yeah like maybe a splash of mango juice and some sort of mixed drink but i don't know i like you said it's just too much for me. like
1: like an overripe mango i think can feel like it's too sweet you know like when it gets super soft and it maybe uh and yeah, maybe still pretty juicy but it can be uh, can mango is one of those fruits that can be very very sweet um and yeah i guess the distillation of that into the into the soft drink form is in, in this case it's just a little bit too much I, i'm sure i've had like mango flavored sodas before but uh, this one, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of—I won't—I won't soon forget just how sweet it is.
0: Yeah, well, before I get onto the beer, I'll just double check with Casey to see if he's rocking the H two O.
2: Oh, you know it. i, I had my coffee um, about an hour before the show. You know, I didn't want to go too late here on the East Coast. Uh, you know, not—not not all of us have the luxury of being on the West Coast. But uh, uh, West Coast. Yeah, H two O, keeping it, keeping it classy as always. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of willpower, I was uh, at the local uh, Toys R Us very quickly this morning uh, and uh, happened to be walking by the the Power Rangers uh, collection and noticed that they had a a one-to-one scale version of the Dragon Dagger for $100. And I quickly texted my wife to mention that maybe one of our kids would like one of the, you know, said (laughs) said things for Christmas. One of our uh, kids named David? Yeah, and the the text back <laughs> I got was well, if you if you plan on returning your PS Five to pay pay for said toy, then go right ahead. <laughs> so uh, right. I was out of that store pretty quickly. But um, yeah, the beer uh, <laughs> the beer I have tonight is uh, it's called a uh, uh, revive revive ale. It's a it's a I guess a little pun on uh, revival and with with ale at the end. And and this one is by uh, lost craft. This was uh, this was one of the beers that I had found. Um, that I, I was planning to talk about, uh, the, they're kind of like the, the, this is a Lagerdale that uh, I found uh, when I, my last trip into Ottawa, uh, that last month, uh, to pick up a few beers, uh, a few specialty beers, but this one is a brewed specialty in the style of, uh, how they do it in Cologne in Germany. So it was uh, a pretty good Lagerdale, nice, smooth taste. Uh, unfortunately only 4.8. So it's, uh, it's not really, uh, drowning out my PS five sorrows, but, uh, Otherwise, it's it's a pretty good taste and a very good beer.
2: You should have just gotten yourself some Bud Ice, (laughs) that or or actually uh, the Molson Triple X. My friends used to call that the Time Machine, just because you have a couple of those and you just wake up at another point in time with pretty much no recollection of what happened. So that could be good to pass the time to the PS Five comes.
1: If you had David, if you had too many of those though, you'd probably wake up with that sword in your hand though. (laughs)
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right>. No. <laughs> I,
1: I remember they had one of those daggers. Um. Uh, when I when I was younger, uh, maybe kind of I was just like leaving a Power Rangers phase. Um, and it play it played like the tune. Like it, cause it play. It was, yeah. He kind of played like a little flute, sort of, right, to summon. Uh, his his, his Megazord, and yeah, we ha- It certainly wasn't a hundred dollars, maybe twenty or thirty dollars or something like that. But it was pretty cool. I mean, who who didn't like the Green Ranger growing up, right? Like. Yeah.
0: Well, and this one played the individual notes, so you could actually play the song oh, cool. with the notes yourself. Uh, but then it also did the um, the two different, like the summoning and then the power up for Dragon's Word, and then it also had the Power Rangers theme song in it. So it's like it was very tough to walk away from, but uh, not not a, not tough enough to, to send back my PS Five. That's for sure. So <laughs> But uh, speaking of uh, difficult battles, uh, this week we're talking about the final boss battles and the ones that we uh, remember the most or our favorites. Uh, there's this was this is a very tough episode to prepare for. I, I think I bounced around. My <laughs> we all we're all picking one boss in particular and. Um, trying to figure out which one uh, I wanted to talk about was extremely difficult. Uh, I didn't even get to pick my my actual first pick I ended up passing by because uh, it's from a game that recently came out a couple weeks ago. so this is this is my number two pick when we get to it eventually. but um before we get into what they actually are, well, we just thought we'd talk a little bit about what makes a, a boss battle so memorable and, uh, I think it comes down to about four four different categories. I would say uh, that that make a legendary boss fight. And I think uh, starting off, it's the lead up. It's it's the you know how the game played up, coming to the point of the final battle. Like how how that boss has been uh, developed. Like there's so many huge bosses that we can think of. in like when you think of uh, Kefka from Final Fantasy VI or like Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII. Somebody got to throw another a, a non-Final Fantasy for me here. Um, Lavos. Yeah, Lavos. Yeah, Lavos.
2: Multi-part fight. That one's good, too, because you see him, you know, the threat's always there, right? You could always go see him and fight him, really, but it's just getting powerful yeah, enough And to...
1: uh, you unlock so many
2: of the endings by
1: fighting him, uh, in or it, I guess, in different, yeah, different, different phases, areas. right? Different parts, yeah. Yeah,
0: so just leading up to that, that dramatic conclusion uh, ha- has a big, uh, impact on how, how satisfying it feels when you finally beat him, uh, which moves us on to the second, uh, category of challenge, like the, obviously the final boss battle, uh, ideally should be the, the most difficult challenge in the game, I would say, um, maybe apart from some, um, I guess, like, the the, the weapons in... Uh, I keep going back to Final Fantasy because that's my bread and butter, but... Um, <laughs> that's your bread yeah, and I butter, guess, though. I guess you always have, like, the, the, the offshoots that are a little bit more difficult, but really, like, if we're going by main quest stories, the final battle really should be the most challenging. I mean, I have no
1: problem if optional. I mean, the, you don't... The thing is with the like the, the ruby and emerald weapon and other fights, like, the, even something like Dragon Quest, like, so many of those games have optional battles that you don't need to do, uh in final fantasy 7 doing those you know might reward you with some items or something uh or trophies or you know just just for kind of style points but uh, you don't really need to do that for anything in the story you know sephiroth really is the final the ultimate final boss there um but in dragon quest like going through some of the final bosses they they might not give you the full ending or the true ending or whatever it is right there might be a, there might actually be a fair bit of content after you've beaten what is perceived as the final boss, there may be a final, final boss. And um, I I don't typically go through and kind of finish or I guess complete Dragon Quest games like that. I kind of get to the first ending and that's usually enough for me. But uh, it is nice to, I guess, maybe have more content to come back to later if you want it. Or, yeah, I mean, no no shame in having optional uh, final, final bosses in games. I have no problem with that.
2: Yeah, and usually those ones sort of ramp it up, right? It's because, like you said, most people, I think, usually check out after that, like, oh, the credits rolled. Uh, But the people that are, you know, clamoring for more, those are the people that want that challenge. So I do sort of like when they, yeah, give you that extra stuff, and it's like, hey, this is definitely a a step above, um, you know, what even the final boss would be. But they sort of have that, you know, design that boss in mind that those people are generally, you know, um, sort of, researching and trying to find out, you know, the most optimal way to to unleash damage and stuff.
0: Unless it's a game like Near where you never really know when the game's going to
2: end. You just keep playing and playing and playing. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Nino Kuni. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of games where like Octopath Tra Oh wait, no,
1: you just don't finish that one. <laughs> Every episode you just have to take a dig at. It. Such a good game. Like I I, I think the, the boss battle I, I I'd say like kind of pound for pound the the number of boss battles in that game that are compelling is is right up there with any other video game, right? It doesn't maybe have the best final boss battle. It does have a kind of an epilogue uh series of bosses that the, the boss gauntlet that's pretty uh, pretty epic. Um but just the, the the kind of bosses at the end of every chapter, I think are very memorable and certainly throw something different at you. But yeah, I guess, I guess you want uh, the, the ultimate, the final battle to do something different and to really make you show off all the progress you've made, whether that's mechanics or strategy or just through, have you leveled up enough to take on the challenge. Uh, I think you want a, a boss battle that, uh, that, that kind of is demanding all of those things from you.
0: Yeah, just to... See, having something new, like something different, like, especially when you have games where there's like a clear villain that's built up and developed throughout the game. To me, that the the villain should be something different, like something bigger and different from the rest of the villains in the game. So yeah, to have that to to kind of force that innovation, like the, you know, this battle is not going to be anything like you've you fought before. This is the you know, it's not and not necessarily just like a, a challenge or a grind fest or anything like that, but just something that challenges the way maybe that you've like in some games there's always you know certain strategies that maybe you can kind of cheese to get to get to certain points but I like when they've changed it up where in the final battle like you maybe you get pushed out of your comfort zone or you you have to th- rethink the way you've been playing or just have something little tweaks here and there just to make you like, put that extra brain brain power into how you know how am I going to get past this boss
2: yeah, so it's not just sort of rinse and repeat of what you've been doing, you know, for 90% of the game or, you know, however much.
0: hmm And I think maybe the one of the most important aspects of a final boss battle is just the way it ends. Like, you know, did it did it live up to the hype? Did uh, did you feel satisfied when the battle ended? Um, because, I mean, for a lot of games, like, this is going to be your last memory of, of the game. So and there there you could have played, you know, m- multiple hours and had a whole lot of fun, but if you have a, a boss battle that disappoints, like that's that's your lasting memory of the game was. Yeah, I had a lot of fun till I got to the end and then I just, you know, felt disappointed or sour or whatever, but yeah, the uh, to me it's uh, to have like it, it's that feeling uh, of earning the the victory or earning the W, like whether it's some kind of uh, you know, end credits scene where it it kind of ties everything up or, or even if you're in one of those battles, I remember one of my um, favorite boss battles is uh, at the end of persona five. And one of the reasons it sticks out is because it was a, it was a bit of a long battle and uh, I only had one character left and I won with the final, uh, with the final attack. And it, it just felt like I had earned, like it, I just felt it was like this glee just rushed over me when I, when I, defeated the boss and then I got to watch uh, the story unfold at the very end and yeah the the conclusion is uh is a, an extremely important uh way to end the game
2: yeah absolutely like you said there's nothing worse than you know oh like th- that's one of my favorite games of all time you know except like the end it was a little weak compared to the rest of it but like still a great game yeah it, it like I said it's sort of the cherry on top you know sort of put the bow on it right like, like this is the complete package so um yeah. yeah definitely super i mean you you work you work so hard you spend so many hours especially on
1: rpgs you know 15 20 50 hours in a game you really want all of that time and effort to have paid off and you know there's a i don't know i don't know if you guys feel it or, or listeners feel it out there but um i i hate the idea of leaving something unfinished like if you if you get if you Play eighty percent or ninety percent of an RPG, like you really, really want to finish it, even if you have to grind a lot to beat that final boss. Uh, like that was what happened to me when I first played through uh, Xenoblade Chronicles uh, on on New Three DS. Was I got to the final boss and he was just just handing it to me, and I, I I feel like I had to go back and just spend hours and hours grinding, and I did. Um, I, I'm not I, I'm maybe not great at the strategy of that game, but I did enough to be able to beat that final boss fight, uh, which is pretty pretty. I think it's a really challenging one. Anyways. Um, and yeah, just that, that idea that, okay, now I've, I've finished this game. Like there, there's that, that kind of, yeah, that satisfaction, that kind of, um, that feeling of completion of a game is just really nice to get. And so, uh, you want the final battle to live up to that. So you can have that kind of, kind of that come down off of that, that high, I guess.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, well, and that's even, even having to grind is kind of, uh, I, I, I understand because they want to have that challenge in there. But often uh, it can be, I find it a bit disappointing if it's like, okay, I got to spend a couple hours to, to finally get strong enough to beat the boss. Like it, to me, it's a, it's a failure in pacing. Yeah. Bad pacing. Yeah. But, but I totally agree. Like it,
1: well it depends if you if you if you rush if you rush through games like me it's kind of it's me kind of paying the piper yeah. I guess like yeah I, oh, I, I didn't do
2: side quests now you will do hours of grinding <laughs> exactly yeah it, like, i I think i've
1: I've kind of encountered this a lot more I, I guess, fall recently, into that too where i I do like uh we're gonna talk about I am sets in a next week and that this kind of happened with me in that game I had to go back and Fortunately, uh, in fact, the game I'm going to talk about uh, for this episode as well has, the, has a, a feature where you it makes it very easy to grind in that final dungeon, that final level. And I really appreciate when games have that. They don't necessarily force you to go all the way back to some really, really good grinding spot. They make it so that just before the final boss is actually a good place to level up. So shout out to games who, uh, who have that, uh, that feature mm-hmm. in them.
0: Because each of us has uh, a final boss to talk about, I think we should probably jump right into it. And uh, I, I'm just going to put it out there right now that there's, uh, there's we're, we're not holding back on the spoilers. Uh, we we want to make sure we get mm-hmm. into, the, into the details and really talk about these bosses. So uh, what we'll do is um, it, there'll be a chapter for each one. So it, we'll announce the, the boss in the game at the beginning of the chapter. Just so that you have that first heads up. And uh, if you really don't want to hear about it, uh, feel free just to, to hit the skip and it'll take you to the next one. But um, yeah, we have a, a couple uh, MMOs to start us off. And then uh, and then a couple big RBGs at the end. But um, what we'll do, maybe we'll start off with Casey. Uh, he's uh, going to kick us off with the World of Warcraft expansion, Wrath of the Lich King. And it's going to be the... Of the obviously the Lich King as the final boss. So, Casey, uh, why don't you tell us um, about the lead-up to the boss and uh, take us from there?
2: All right, cool. Yeah, so uh, Wrath of the Lich King was pretty much the expansion. It is like the pinnacle of World of Warcraft. It's when they had the most um, subs. They were really sort of hitting their stride with, you know, making really sort of complex, really great fights, you know. So naturally, when it was like Wrath of the Lich King, boom, people are super pumped, because um, the Lich King, who is Arthas, uh, Arthas Menethel, excuse me, uh, he was, like, the main, uh, you know, sort of storyline in Warcraft 3, you know, the RTS games, so essentially, he was the Prince of Lordoran, you know, next in line kind of thing to take over the the crown and, and be the king for the people, but, you know, things happen and and essentially he, he ends up going down a real bad path uh and and it's sort of dealing with trying to get rid of one of you know the real bad guys on the other side who are sort of um you know invading and all that and slowly but surely he's starting to get influenced and and sort of change his ways and like he'd do anything to get rid of the, the scourge you know so uh you know for instance one of the um you know, really big major plot points in WoW history, or Warcraft history, was, like, the, uh, uh, Stratholme is, like, a big alliance city, and the Scourge, like, poisoned, um, the, like, I I believe it was just, like, the food, you know, like, the, the wheat and all that, so, um, and essentially, it would just, it would, anyone who ate it would turn, or maybe it was the water, something like that, they, they pretty much, got the entire city infected, uh, and they would turn into undead and and scourge and attack people. So, you know, he caught wind of this, and it was, like, already too late, right? Everyone was already, you know, already had uh, ingested this, and it was like, oh, well, like, we got to destroy the, like, city. Like, we got to kill everyone, you know? And, like, you know, his people were like, what are you talking about? Like, we can't do that, you know what I mean? So, like, he goes through, and he just ravishes the city, And, like, so it's like, oh, my God, you know, like, what's up with this guy? He's supposed to be the prince. Um, Eventually, he gets his hands on Frostmourne, which is a a cursed sword. And then, like, slowly but surely, it just, like, overtakes him, you know what I mean? And he becomes the Lich King, uh, you know. Essentially, the Scourge is, like, a big undead faction, um, which just, you know, they're they, like, wreak havoc, essentially, you know what I mean, they do the bidding of the Lich King, uh, and, and the theory is, like, there always has to be a Lich King, otherwise the Scourge would be, like, you know, running rampant, essentially, so, uh, he pops on the helmet, the famous, uh, you know, Lich King helmet, and he's overtaken, and essentially, through the entire expansion, uh, like, he is a big focal point, and, and in some different, you know, expansions, like, there's always, obviously, an end boss to it, but, like, he is without a doubt the most well-known end boss, you know what i mean? Like i said, he had the the whole Warcraft 3 campaign and, and he's just one of the most notable characters. So, you know, throughout the entire expansion like through quest lines and stuff, like he's sort of taunting you, you know what i mean? He he's he knows he's the man. He can't die, you know what i mean? He he is, you know, a a, a big hubris if you will. Um, but essentially, yeah, you you work your way through uh and the way with MMOs, like, they release content patches, and, like, so it'd be like, oh, there's a raid, you do that for a while, and, and essentially you could kill all the bosses in a raid once a week, and then it resets, and you gear up your character that way, um, so this was the final raid in the expansion, like I said, the culmination, right, like, the, when, when David had all these points to, to hit on, it's like the lead-up, is really unbelievable for this character, you know? And, like, you go into ICC, Crown Citadel, and it's, like, this big, huge throne in this icy area, you know what I mean? It's just, it's perfect for the Lich King. Um, You work your way up the tower, there's really memorable fights the whole way through, and then you finally get up to him, you're on top of it, and, like, the, you know, the setting is amazing, and, you know, a lot of RP, you know, uh, between, you know, him him talking crap and, and you guys battling back and forth, and then you get into the actual battle itself, and for me, you know, when we were trying to decide which, you know, what's your, your favorite boss fight, you know, or and essentially, right, in your mind, what's the most memorable boss fight for you that you really enjoyed, and to me, World of Warcraft just jumped out just by the nature of the game, because you, you fight these bosses once a week for months on end, <laughs> you know what I mean, um, so that's why, like, for me, it the battle, like, a lot of RPGs I'll play, you know, like, there are definitely memorable battles throughout, but, you know, I can't go back and tell you all the, the fights I've played in a Final Fantasy game or a Dragon Quest game, right? But, like, with a, a an MMO, like I said, just by the nature of every fight... You know you're doing so often, and they're very you know specific mechanics that you have to work in tandem with the team. So it to me that's why you know these these sort of jump to my the forefront of my mind when I'm thinking about great fights. But on top of it, it's just an epic fight, right? the The fight itself lives up to what you would hope it would be. It's a 15 minute battle <laughs> a, a of yeah. this huge uh, you know citadel. You're, fight, you're facing off, and there's just a lot of mechanics, and it's one of, I was trying to find the exact number, I couldn't find it, but like, if you go back into the the World Firsts, you know, which obviously I'm not anywhere near a World First kind of uh, player, but um, you watch these, play, they, four or five hundred times, they, they wipe on these, these bosses, you know what I mean, trying wow. to get it. Now, of course, they're at the, the very forefront where they have very little gear, you know, for for what it is, so it's like they're really, you know, fractions and fractions of numbers, Um, but it was just really tough even down the road when you had a lot of gear, and you, you know, you would quote-unquote out-gear it, it was still a mechanically difficult fight, because you just had to be on point, there are a lot of abilities um, that could really, if one person makes a mistake, it it pretty much screws your whole attempt, Uh, there was something called defile, uh, it would be cast on a player and that person needs to like get out of the group and then someone would dispel them and then essentially like a little like uh, like a pool would drop. And if you stood in it, you would die. Uh, you know, hmm. if you stood in it for more than a second or two, but it would slowly expand as the fight went on. And this was casted quite often. Right. So like your whole team has to be aware of where to place these, because if you put one in the middle of the room, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess you up. Um, there was parts where, like, Valkyries would grab some of your uh, teammates and start slowly bringing them to the edge, and then they would just drop them off the edge and they would die. So you need to kill these Valkyries before they got to the edge, but when you get into, like, the really... The, the heroic version, it's like they have so much health in it. It just... It's like you had to be on point as far as mechanical being smart, but you also had to, like, really do a lot of damage and a lot of healing and stuff. So it it just like a really complex, like I said, it was a 15 minute fight. So it's, you know, you need to learn that. So it's one of those where you're going to, you're going to play it. You're going to die a lot. You're going to, you know, slowly start to pick up how it works. And eventually when you overcome it, it's, you know, we've put 20 hours into this boss fight alone and we've overcome it. You know what I mean? Like we're all super stoked. Um, and then just even how the battle itself ends is really cool because it's, like I said, you go through, like, a whole bunch of different phases uh, which all the mechanics switch up. You finally kill him, right? But then he he just kills everyone in the raid, like, boom. And it just like, haha, like, I'm, like, screw you guys. You know, I was just messing yeah. with you. Like, I'm that powerful. Uh, but then one of the other NPCs, like, is able to break out of a spell and, like, he knocks Frostmourne again, which is, like, a in the WoW history, a really iconic sword, out of his hand, and he resurrects us, and then, like, at this point, like, you, if you hit that point of the fight, you've already won, but it's part of, like, the RP, right? Like, you come back, and it's like, oh, he's got 10% left, just nuke him, and he doesn't do any damage, but, like, it's just, like, a hype moment, right? Because it's, like, everyone's just pumping in all this damage, you finally kill him, uh, and then, yeah, again, like, the end is... Like, sort of an RP between him and some other characters. And then how I mentioned before, uh, how there always must be a Lich King. Like, you've killed Arthas, the Lich King. There's no more. And then one of the guys, uh, uh, Bolvar, he's like, I'll be, you know what I mean? Like, I got this. You know what I mean? Like, don't tell anyone that I took this. Like, because, again, like, people would be like, well, why'd you put that on? You know, like, the helmet is sort of signifies, like, who is the Lich King, you know? So... It's like, oh, then he pops that on, and he becomes the next Lich King, but you leave, so it sort of was like, all right, we've we've solved this, but then, like, now what's the future with Bolvar as the Lich King, you know, you don't know, and I'm not going to get into it, but actually with the upcoming release of Shadowlands, the newest expansion, you actually touch back, ironically, back into this area and stuff with the Lich King, so just a really iconic fight that had an amazing lead-up, you know, a a two-year lead-up within the expansion itself until the release of the actual raid, but also all of the history with Warcraft 3. So one of the most beloved or, you know, or hated characters in the game, you know what I mean? Polarizing. I think everyone loves Arthas, even though he's a bad guy, you know? Um, Hmm. And it was just the the match uh, or the fight itself lived up to the hype, a culmination of, you know, what some would say is the... Uh, golden Age of world of Warcraft so um for me it was a actually a pretty easy pick I know you guys were struggling I, I was struggling when we had more picks because I was like well what are the second and third one gonna be <laughs> but yeah for me this one just like you said really all the facets we were talking about like they really just nailed you know and hit the the, the nail on the head and again for me I love these these kind of fights because it is really working with your team you know 25 other yeah. people in this case uh coordinating, you know, really specific. So it's like everyone's got to be on the same page. And and to me, though, you know, that's when it's most rewarding is like not only did I overcome this, but, you know, we sort of overcame this as a team and, and went through all that, uh, you know, trials and tribulations to, uh, to mm-hmm. see it through.
1: I mean, it's...
2: I don't know. I, I, I'm not a big MMO player.
1: I've dabbled a little bit, but I, I guess World of Warcraft, you know, has really stood the test of time. And then coming back with the the classic kind of addition, uh, getting people like you, Casey, back into the game for sure. Uh, and now a new expansion. There's, there's something really special about a living game that it just, it's... It's so it's like a story told over years and years, rather than just like one sixty seventy dollar game that you pick up, you finish. It's a self-contained story. There might be a little bit of DLC, but nothing on the scale of what World of Warcraft has done. Right? It really is uh, an impressive and kind of like groundbreaking specimen. I I guess. Like I, I know Final Fantasy IV is doing some of that, and maybe other maybe other MMOs are as well. Um, just it just maybe isn't as you know uh, discussed, or it's only, only in certain circles that I'm not a part of. But yeah, you know, I, it's just uh, from an from an outsider's perspective, or for me kind of looking in on all of this and hearing you talk about it with kind of such passion and such like enthusiasm. I like get it, uh, it's I really I really wish I had the opportunity when I was younger to get into these games more, and you know, and form rating parties and go through you know at least the, first, the base game and some of the first expansions like i obviously i was playing other games at the time but i, I really get, feel like i missed out i missed out on uh, a great experience like the one you're talking about Casey.
2: Yeah, i mean uh, we just had the 16 well actually i guess it's still going on the 16th birthday uh, event going on for World of Warcraft so yeah, it's i don't think any game has ever lasted that long. Um, no. with constant updates, you know what I mean? You get the new expansions and, and yeah, it's, you know, like I said, as much as, I mean, I, like I said, the Lich King battle, like fight really they it, it, beautiful, you know what I mean? Like from yeah. all of that aspect. But again, like to me, it, it really is like the, the meeting the people and, and befriending these people and going quote unquote, going to war with them, you know, a couple nights yeah. a week. Um, I mean with, uh, with the Shadowlands releasing, I'm actually, uh, we're meeting up and we're going to be playing with friends i was playing back in wrath of the lich king which was you know like 10 years ago so it's like Mm. it's funny like we're getting the old gang back together to to be you know trying out the new game and and it's just funny that you know i don't talk to some of these people for years on end but it's like hey you know let's you know play some warcraft and then we get in there and and it's like nothing changed you know like we're we're just still shooting and having a good time, so uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's definitely a huge aspect of the MMO too. That you know um, is a lot different than you know, especially uh, these single player RPGs, which I love too. But just just a drastically different experience, uh, like you. Very, saying.
1: very much so. Yeah, yeah. Being able to share these experiences with other people, obviously, it's huge. Like it's it's great. Like we have a podcast, we can talk about these games, but actually living through those experiences together, and then you being able to connect with those people again is really cool too
0: yeah i was just thinking that like the the uniqueness of mmo bosses being that it's a team victory as opposed to like a single player rpg where it's like a personal victory like there's there's certainly a a more emotional aspect to it when you have uh, especially with friends like i guess that's the other thing too is like with them you have people that you you play with it's not like you just got dropped in with a bunch of randos and and beat the the boss like this is you know a bunch of friends coming together working together um i'm assuming you're probably on like voice chat and stuff where you're like you know you do this i do this you know that that would be uh, yeah a oh yeah unique, unique yeah you're experience. on
2: uh, it's dis. You, you use discord now but back in the day you used to something called vent Ventrilo, uh was like a, yeah i remember a, a talking system yeah no i mean that's the thing too uh you just you can't really just go into these fights not knowing what the fight is and like expect to go well you know because again if you do that in a single player game well you know you just restart and i i've learned now but you know, you're sort of hampering the experience of a, a group of other people, you know, if you don't really know what you're doing. And, you know, you, you go and they're like, well, I don't know, Um, you know. Some fights you can get away with not really knowing what's up and having someone tell you, but when you really start getting into, like, the, the upper tier of, you know, the content, you know, you, you really have to do your research beforehand. And it's funny, in the beginning, um, and, and sorry, I know we're going long here on, on Warcraft, but in the beginning, they used to really, like, Uh, they wouldn't tell you what the boss did like you really just have to go in there and slam your head against it uh, and figure it out now for for most people you could go on youtube or whatever because like the you know the people who are doing beta or you know who are you know pushing that world first they sort of like they figure it out for you and then you can sort of find out through them but now they've done a better job like there's like an in-game journal that tells you like this this boss right here these are his abilities and and this is what will happen, and then, like, you can formulate how to react to that, depending on what your character class is, and, like, sort of what your teammate's, uh, composition is as well, so, um, but yeah, it's definitely different than, like, a normal RPG kind of thing, and like I said, to me, I have a hard time remembering RPGs that I played just a few years ago, so that's why, to me, like, the boss battle, like, It's just, you do these so often, you know what I mean? Like, once a week, you're in there Mm -hmm. hammering these bosses away. So, to me, that's why they, you know, uh, sort of stick out more than, than most...
0: Paige is uh, pretty much uh, on par with you or has the same mind frame because uh, her final boss battle is also in in an MMO. And um, so she'll be talking about um, Elidibus, I hope I pronounced that correctly, the Warrior of Light from the Shadowbringers Shadowbringers expansion of Final Fantasy XIV.
3: Basically in Final Fantasy XIV, your character is the Warrior of Light. Um, and in the Shadowbringers expansion, you go to another world, but you're there. You're the warrior of darkness because in this world, the light nearly brought about the end of it. Like it flooded through the world and nearly destroyed everything. So it's being seen as a bad thing. But in this, in in the latest patch, um, story content, the five point three, um, you've taken down the main villain already. But there's others that carry on the work of. sorry. but there's others that carry on their work. Um, the main one of which that's left is Elidibus, um, and after taking, like, like I said, after you've taken down this main villain, he um, puppeteers this world's version of you to spread about, like, the message of Royal's light being good. Um, so then you had to, like, you can't confront him in public because that would have caused an issue. So unlike the um, previous foe, this one doesn't want to understand you or make peace because they see you as destructive. And uh, the dungeon right before this fight has him summoning warriors of light from across time and all the different worlds to attack you. Oh, that's uh, that's neat. And even though, even though he's much more confrontational, um, it's kind of painful because he only knows his purpose, and not most of his memories or like why he's taking on this fight. Beyond his goal is to bring back his people, um, but he doesn't remember everything, so he's just he's he's like charging on, still trying to fulfill his duty. Um, and it's basically the finale to Shadowbringers, like the final fight before you go home.
0: Oh, that's neat. So, are the are the the Warriors of Light that are being summoned are there are they other players or are they NPCs?
3: So, um, so in Final Fantasy fourteen, there's about thirteen different worlds because the original world got shattered and split into thirteen. So these are the other Warriors of Light, like, the people that have gotten, like, this sort of power um, and been a hero in in these different worlds in various times. Like, sort of, you know, so it's calling on, like, the Warriors of Light across time and space, basically. And so once you get into the fight with him directly, like in the previous dungeon, he calls the other Warriors of Light but then uses their power to turn into the Warrior of Light incarnate as in like his design is from the original Final Fantasy with the like the helmet with the horns and everything Um, but because of something your previous foe made for you you're able to call your own warriors to help you because in a trial you have about, you're in a party of eight but not very often does the game actually consider the other players part of the story there's only a few times where they'll actually acknowledge that you had adventurers with you and not just it was you doing the whole thing and yeah, so in Final Fantasy XIV, the trials are basically boss fights, because instead of going through a dungeon, the whole thing is just the fight. Um, this one introduced some new mechanics, such as there was a pause or a play marker, and you needed to follow, you know, whether pause or to keep moving to avoid severe damage or being frozen stuck. Then about halfway through the fight, you're all strapped in chains and transported to the realm the Ascians go between, which are the main foes of this game. Um... Which is actually an active time maneuver, so you basically have to spam your buttons to break free, and everyone has to get it right. Um, actually, when the first time I did it, we kept failing a few times, and so we had to like coax out the person to ask, you know, which one of you is messing it up, <laughs> because they were trying to use their chat keyboard, but they're playing on PlayStation Four, and it um so it wasn't actually working. Because oh, I know one issue with it can be, like, if you actually type in the chat thing and then it ruins it, you've got to, like, <laughs> click out. Because it, really, it was actually probably... Um, normally it's not too hard, too, but, like, this one people are actually, like, oh, they had to really fastly mash bu- buttons to get out of it. Um, so, it was, yeah, we sort of had to, like, encourage someone that they weren't in trouble. <laughs> we just needed to fix the problem. But, you know, after a few wiping attempts, you do manage to break free again thanks to your crystal... And a vision of an old friend appears, and they summon you back into the fight, so they sort of save you. And they don't show that person's looks, um, but they do a couple of emotes that are fairly unique to them, so you know who they are, and it's pretty emotional. Um, And as a tank, the limit break mechanic is something I pretty much never use, or know what it does. Um, It's actually something you have to put onto your hotbar, and I didn't have it on my hotbar until this fight. And I'm pretty sure this might be the first, like, main story fight where the tank needs to use theirs to shield everyone. Because it, I, I assume the tank... Because I think the um, Limit Busters are class-based, so just... Um, so the tank actually needs to use theirs to shield everyone because the, war, the, yeah, the Warrior of Light uh, in this casts a Limit Break 4, which I'm pretty sure is something normal players don't have. They just sort of cast this massive... Full on attack that the only way to not die to is for the tank to use their limit break and yeah overall the fight's pretty cool because he's using all the different abilities from other classes and i think it's sort of based on who's in the party as well i'm not entirely sure on that one but yeah i'd see him using some abilities and i'm like wait he's using my thing <laughs> like because it's not it's not unusual like you're usually finding a character if you're fighting a, a person they'll be like that sort of class and have some of those abilities but it was just because I think they actually switch between different classes, being like the War of Light Incarnate with all the different people's power. Um, and there are hard versions of Trials. I just didn't do this one, and I have to re-download it on this new computer to <laughs> try that one out. Um, the song isn't my favourite out of like Shadowbringers, but it's pretty good. Yeah, so it has, um, has a few different mechanics, and... Even in between during the fight, there's some emotional moments that I mentioned.
0: Oh, um, how how i was just gonna ask uh, quickly. Um,
3: how how long do do you kind of recall how long the final battle was uh, roughly? Um, not sure. Taking into account cutscenes, but I say it's under an hour. Um, it just it just, it took us longer the first time I did it because we had to redo them that like, half the fight again <laughs> because of the wipe. Oh, okay. Um, and you said there was after that, um, there's like a checkpoint. Seven
0: other people I with think. you, right?
3: Yeah. Three. So, you know, I think Trials, eight people. I'm going to double check that one. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So like early on, you might have like some four player Trials, but most of them are like eight. So two tanks, two healers and four DPS.
0: Ah, Okay. Yeah, it makes
3: sense. Yeah. So then after the fight is over, after you've beaten him, you're actually fighting on top of the crystal tower. Um, And when you're on the way there, your friend was held back a bit, but he catches up to you and remove like, helps to remove Elidibus's power. So he sort of, like, the War of Light sort of imagery around him, like, sort of sheds off, and he's sort of, like, his true self. You see him as his true self. Um, And in that moment, he actually regains some of his former memory, um, and one of the um, one of the more good quotes from that is that he says, in re- reference to his like old friends that have that are long gone, he says, "The rains have ceased and we have been graced with another beautiful day, but you are not here to see it." And he no. says that before he basically dies. Mm-hmm. It's a bit complicated with those guys because they're sort of they're like basically just their souls hopping, but like. They figured out a way, um, I think towards the end of the main scenario, how to like trap them to stop them from... Yeah, so I'm pretty sure he dies. <laughs> it's just that it's, like, it's more complicated with them. He's gone um, anyway. Yeah, he's gone. We're not, we don't have to fight him again. That's that's it. Yeah. Um. And yeah, your friend um, that caught up with you seems to be unable to move because he's become one with the crystal tower, after using it for so long, it's starting to just rapidly take over him. But, um, that scene finishes with him asking you to promise to take him on your next adventure. Okay, that's pretty neat. And that's, that's as much as I can spoil now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. Does the, um, uh, I've, I've always
0: been curious, does the game end? Like, or, or do you just continue, like, continue playing? Like...
3: Um, so there's a few more quests to finish, like, that patch for the main to know, there. Okay. And, then, and then basically... As far as the main story quest is concerned, you know, like there might be a week between that and the next quest, whereas we might have to wait like three or six months for the next bit of story. Like at the Ah, moment, it's it's at at the moment it's a bit more than normal of a wait because of things. But in the story, it's like um, you know, once you've caught up with the main scenario quest, it's just all the NPCs just sort of stay where they are but yeah. you can still play the game and do side activities and stuff. But story wise, it might be, oh, it's just been a week, or like five minutes, depending on what happens next in the story. Yeah. So it's funny when you're catching up in the game, because they'll be like, oh, have a rest, and then you talk to them again, and I'm like, oh, had a good rest? And I'm like, <laughs> I've, I've just been standing here.
0: So, I, I know, like, it's it takes a lot of hours uh, to, to get where you got in the game. Like, yeah. how did you feel that, that final battle? Like, was it did did you feel it lived up to the amount of time that you put in? Um, like compared to like all the other battles that like did did it really feel that that much bigger uh, of, of an accomplishment?
3: I think it's just it felt like much more of a climax of a story. And like I said, there were some like new things in it, so it felt different and me as a tank I actually had to use an ability I'd never used before in this fight. Um so yes, yeah, more of the fight, it's more to do with, like, its place in the story, and it cl- basically closing up the story of Shadowbringers, which is, like, I think the best part of Final Fantasy fourteen in terms of the narrative. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah, like, neat. there are lots of, there are, like, lots of, because there's so many trials in this game, there are a lot of, lot of fun fights with neat mechanics, I just feel like this, you know, this is a really good one to finish off that chapter of the game with.
0: Yeah, that's good, like, it's... It's always nice when they um, have like. It seems like the, the ending has a lot of the hallmarks of a great RPG ending. Like, like you said, you ha- you had the uh, new move that you got to do, and and the yeah. kind of sewing together the story uh, is great. Yeah.
3: Um, it's um, it's uh, going to be a hard expansion to live up to for the next one.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking that, like, especially with something like Final Fantasy fourteen with an MMO, it, you always wonder, like what kind of big battle you'll have at the end of, like, yeah. those quests, the main quest of the story is just because they they want you to keep playing, <laughs> essentially. Like, they yeah. don't want it to be, like, a there, finale. They there, want There
3: to- is some stuff back going on at the home world, but I still feel like in terms of the the story in Shadowbringers, it'll be pretty hard to live up to.
0: Yeah. Well, especially if the, the main, like, if that ending kind of tied together like, the stories from, like, the original Final Fantasy, it, it seems like, uh... Yeah, like, where do yeah, they go from it, here, It's you not
3: that the... the um, it is in its own canon, but, you know, there are lots of stuff from all the different Final Fantasy games in it. Um, mm. And, like, there's even on the main world, um, there is, like, Ivalus was a past civilization. It's just not... It's not the exact same one as the one in, like, the games that have Ivalus as a setting, but... Okay. You know, they they use things from it. A lot of the trials are summon fights. Like I did a, or like some of the boss dungeons, like one of the optional dungeons I did, like one of the level 80 dungeons, it was like the Quetzalcoatl or something. Yeah. And I showed my um from a picture of that, and it's like, oh, that's a like summon Final Fantasy Eight or something.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. Yeah, that's that was one of my the things I liked about Final Fantasy XIV. Like I haven't played it in a bit just because I've been distracted by <laughs> Legends of the Heroes. But um, yeah, the, the, like the callbacks or the nods to um, past Final Fantasies has always uh, been a, a good draw for the Final Fantasy XIV. And yeah, that's um, a lot yeah, of it's it. <laughs> neat to hear that the the final battle in like the latest expansion is is a bit of a nod back to the uh, original game because. Uh, yeah, it think, was really cool yeah. to see
3: him just like. Um, yeah, because he was calling going around calling himself the Warrior of Light, and in this one, you're the Warrior of Darkness in this world. Like normally at home, you're called the Warrior of Light. Mm-hmm. So he yeah, actually seemed like transform into this classic art style, like that look. It was like, whoa.
0: <laughs> I guess the big question now is: is that do do you feel any? Uh uh in, in, any feeling of wanting to play the original uh, NES game at all the, now that you went through that or I, is it just I, too I don't too old? I don't know about all the <laughs> I don't know about
3: all the way back to the first one I don't uh, know do that have any special remakes or
0: <laughs> yeah well it's it's yeah it's been uh I it's been on a, a lot of different systems um I'm trying to think I think the biggest remake probably would have been the PlayStation version but I don't know uh I mean it still looks kind of old though so it's yeah. it's it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea I guess but um yeah it's it's pretty neat Although, I, like there, there there's not a huge it, story per se in it though like there is a story but it's not as it's obviously not as developed as the other ones so uh,
3: it does remind me of another final fantasy game i need to play um World of Final Fantasy because again that's just f- full of like stuff from other final fantasy games
0: yeah, like you I even saw that. you even uh, get
3: some characters from games as summons, <laughs> so yeah, sort of something. Because you in the mechanic of that's like you have monsters with you, so instead of summoning monsters, you're summoning <laughs> people.
0: Yeah, and that's on Switch, right?
3: Didn't that come? That came
0: out for yeah. 16. They um,
3: what, yeah, the a Fantasy Maxima, so that has some extra content and all the DLC with it. That's on Switch now. Yeah, I
0: remember seeing that come out and thinking about getting it, but never did and it was i actually was um moving some stuff around for my to make room for the PlayStation 5 and i came across my uh PSP collection and realized that i had um Dissidia Final Fantasy oh, on yeah. PSP and i i ended up getting it from my brother but i haven't played it yet <laughs> so that's another one where it's kind of like a a bunch of people together i think so it's
3: yeah um i think in the latest Dissidia um Ishtola from Final Fantasy 14 is in it oh,
0: okay yeah, that's pretty neat. I'll have to. It's another another Final Fantasy I've uh, uh, always been uh, kind of curious about those ones, but I, I've never really jumped into the, like the. Maybe it's time. Maybe I better better look into these games and <laughs> put them on the backlog.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, Jordan. That's uh, we've had two MMOs in a row, so uh, now uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into the single player RPGs for the last two. So um, Jordan's gonna be taking us with uh, Gygas from Earthbound.
1: Yeah. So I mean, we we talked about Earthbound, uh, I guess, a couple months ago uh, with uh, David and Paige, um, but we didn't spend a lot of time talking about Gygus, I don't think. Uh, and so uh, I mean, I, I was com- I was trying to come up with a list of bosses, and I've, I've got a bunch that I want to talk about. Um, I was kind of talking to my brother about it. Um Gygus, to me the the lead up to him and the just the fight itself is is really unique. Uh and it stands out um because of I guess how he looks, the different phases, and ultimately how you have to defeat him. So um the the lead up or how you get there is that just before you enter, I guess, the final dungeon, uh, the kind of earthbound kids, uh, uh, Ness, Paula, Jeff, and Pooh—they have to—they have to sacrifice themselves. They have to become robots, uh, and they—they they don't know if they're ever going to be made human again, or if they're going to be able to restore their. Uh, I, I think the idea is that their consciousness is kind of moved into the robot uh, body forms, and so they don't know if they're ever going to be be human again, or if they're going to survive, or what's going to happen. So, uh, I like the idea of kind of sacrifice and kind of really. Them committing fully to this boss battle that's going to happen—it feels like a really good culmination of the adventure, right? They've been through so much together. They've kind of seen this world uh, as a group, and now they're going to kind of face the uh, potential uh, bringer of destruction of that world uh, as a as a group. For um, the the battle itself, um, you know, we've we've played a lot of RPGs where there's some trick to defeating the final boss, or there's some some hook or it's just something unique you have to do something special you have to do or know uh to be successful uh maybe maybe that maybe a boss is really susceptible to a certain spell uh or you need to have a certain item that does a lot of damage to it you know maybe uh <laughs> there's some bosses where you could you can cast like a, you can play like a phoenix down against them and it'll it'll kill them or do damage to them or you can use healing magic and it'll hurt them uh, the banana peel uh, that, in that, um so,
0: uh what's that uh, what's that Wii game we played with the where you could shoot the banana peel at the at the bad guy and he would fall
1: oh yes um uh the last story yes
0: <laughs> I always love that yeah that's that right
1: funny. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like th- thing things you wouldn't expect or didn't feel like they had a use throughout the whole game uh and that that ends up being the the thing that does uh, does the final boss in um so with uh with Gigas for for those who haven't played the game or um maybe have just to kind of jog your memory, uh the way you take out his final phase is to use Paula's prey ability. You have I think I think you have to use it nine times. uh Once you use it once, you you understand that that is the trick to defeating it. Um, but yeah, the really cool thing about the the praying, I, maybe I'll get to that in a sec. Um. It it it's, it might be hard to figure out why or how you know to use Prey, uh, and this could be a localization thing. Maybe maybe in trend, maybe in the Japanese, it's easier to figure out. Uh, but Pokey is kind of part of the boss fight as well, and I think he's on the side of the screen saying, and he says something like. Um, about crying for help or you know don't don't even think about crying for help or you know crying for help is the only thing you can do now something like that uh so there may be that hint there uh of course earthbound uh, in north america it came maybe europe as well it came boxed with a um a strategy guide and the strategy guide actually tells you flat out to beat gygas you need to use uh prey nine times so uh maybe the idea was that um but uh, maybe maybe in the strategy guide, they, they knew that the localization wasn't going to give it away or something like that. And so uh, they, they just kind of flat out tell you what you have to do. Um, but I like the thematic idea that you've, you've kind of thrown the kitchen sink at Geigus. You've done everything you can. Uh, you've used physical attacks, special attacks. You've used items. You've used every invention that Jeff has uh, created. Uh, like the the bottle rockets and stuff, and nothing else is working, and so the only action you have left in the game to do is to use Paula's prey. Uh, and so I, I love the way that fits kind of with the the way that in real life, if you felt like it was the end and you there was nothing else you could do, you're backed into a corner, you would you might pray in that in that situation, and so um to me that's what kind of makes the Gygas fight really special is the way that it um has just like the whole game has this feeling of real life. Um and kind of real life uh, themes to it. Uh, I feel like the the way you the way you surmount or overcome this challenge is also a way you might do it uh, in real life too. Um, the just in terms of the visuals, I think are really striking. Gaigas uh, at the beginning of the fight, he's kind of this giant orb that looks like a mirror, uh, and you see Ness's face. Uh, and then it almost looks like a little egg or something like that. So it mirrors kind of the, the shadow, almost the, the shadow link fight or uh, a lot of games where you have to kind of fight yourself, fight your inner darkness or something like that. Final Fantasy four, uh, Cecil, uh, fighting the, uh, the dark Knight when he becomes the paladin. Uh, I like those kind of things too. Uh, and then the final phase, it's just, it's, it's this really, really weird, uh, red, just red and black pattern doesn't really have a defined form there's this almost kind of skeleton like or demon face in the center of the screen uh, and it's really dark really dark the music is it's it's sort really of creepy <laughs> definitely yeah totally creeps you out um, uh, really really haunting kind of uh, and uh, weird kind of uh, me- mechanical or computer sounds almost like a computer uh, just kind of making glitchy sounds in, in the, the, that final track um, yeah, and just very, very dark compared to uh, certainly the humor and the lighter parts of the game. So that kind of departure, uh, I think, is very striking, too. Um, I, I was going to say earlier that uh, as you pray, uh, something really cool happens. You The game actually cuts to scenes of all the people you've met along the way. Uh, and they start praying with you as well. So you you go to like Saturn Village and Mr. Saturn uh, and uh, Jeff's father, Dr. Uh, Dr. Andonets. He the, all these characters are praying for your success, uh, which is all, I guess also kind of mirrored in Final Fantasy IV. Uh, it, and it gives the gives the finale of the game a nice kind of sense of closure. Uh, this idea that everyone is kind of coming together to to save the world. It's not it's not just the kids fighting as the group, but it's also them bringing in their memories and their experiences with everybody else. Uh, And so, yeah, I I don't know. It's a, I I just, I don't think the fight is necessarily the most challenging uh, or even necessarily the most satisfying to be, but I think it just, I think it just works really well in the kind of, kind of culminating the game or bringing the game to a nice and satisfying end it really sticks with the form the kind of earthbound formula the quirkiness the the weirdness uh, of, of it all it just it just seems like a really fitting end to the game and that that's why the, the guy fight fights really memorable to me
2: yeah I remember um I got to earthbound pretty late uh actually i'm pretty sure I played it all on emulator. Because uh, it was before they started re-releasing it, yeah, and still was like, oh, well, I'm definitely not buying a 250 dollar cartridge. <laughs> oh yeah, now. exactly yeah. Um, so I remember playing through it, and yeah, I remember getting up to the final boss, and yeah, I I couldn't figure it out. I, I guess I'm a big dumb idiot. Um, and I remember I was like, well, I guess you know, I'm just gonna use game FAQ or whatever, and uh, yeah, found out obviously, you know, you are praying uh, that. Is how you do it, mm-hmm. and I remember like being to my friend. I was like, "Yeah, like I, you know, I beat it," and he's like, "Oh yeah, like so, like you figure out the prey thing? You, you had to look it up, did you?" I'm like, "No, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I didn't look it up." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the first time I played this game, which which would have been uh, closer to the launch of the game, maybe not immediately after, I didn't have the strategy guide. I, you know, I don't know what the online situation was, but I wouldn't have wouldn't have been able to look it up. Maybe there was a hint in Nintendo Power or something like that, but I'm pretty sure, like I I, 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 figured it out the way that maybe the game had intended. I, I had tried everything else. Like I, I I've run out of, I've run out of uh, uh, power points for my magic abilities. I, I've, I'm running out of health. Maybe uh, two or three of my characters have died, uh, and the, the only thing I can do now is is to use Paula's Prey command and, and or Prey action, and that's and, and then you, you again, like I said, once you do it for the first time, you recognize that something is happening, right? That you, you, it, yeah. It the aha moment. To, oh, there it is. Exactly. It, it goes to the cutscene. There's some message about dealing damage to him or, uh, affecting Gygus in some way. And you know, you've know, you've kind of unlocked that secret. And so even if you lose the battle from that point on, I don't, don't know if you can, you, he might still be able to damage you, but you've, 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 you've kind of had that aha moment or the light bulb goes off and like, Oh, that's what I needed to do. Like it's, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a satisfying puzzle when you get there, but I don't know if the, the, again, I don't know if the translation or the localization did enough to point you in that direction. So,
0: um, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. I think the other thing that it does well too, is that there's an air of mystery to Giygas, uh, itself. Like I know, like with the sound effects that are the, like the sound sampling that comes out of it, like there's, there's still, even to this day, there's still discussion of like exact details behind the character and the, the fight and, uh, and it, yes. they, it does a good job of continuing the conversation after the fact. Yeah. So it's
1: it's very, very much a mystery. Like, and I guess, you know, it follows like with games that kind of become cult classics. There's always like mysteries or things people want to try to figure out that maybe the, the developers, the creators haven't revealed fully. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that mystique to the game, I think, is one of the, uh, the elements that really uh, keeps it
0: alive, I guess yeah exactly like especially like now you can go to like reddit and see threads of people like debating on you know while well, this clue and this clue th- makes me think it's this and then debate back yeah, and forth yeah. between it and it's uh, and all and it's interesting to see the different theories and that sort of thing
1: yeah i mean earthbound will always be one of my favorite games i, I love everything about it uh you know but i already gushed about that for you know the better <laughs> the better part of an hour uh like i said a couple of months ago so uh, speaking of uh games that we want to gush about. They...
0: Well, what do you got? Uh, what do you what do you got? The, the, the Legends well, of, he
2: can't gush about the one he wants to gush about, no. but he's got another close second. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Legend of
0: Heroes has pretty much taken over my life the past few months. And um this is a, a, a franchise that I'm just head over heels for. And yeah, I really wanted to do Trails of Cold Steel 4 because I think the ending to that might be the best, one of the best that I've ever played, but because it's only come out in the last two weeks. I am instead going to go with Trails of Cold Steel 3, Um, the fight with, um, it's actually not even, uh, I had written down uh, Goliath Osborne because he's the main villain of the Trails of Cold Steel, but the actual final boss of this game is the Black Holy Beast, the nameless one. Um, So just uh, Mm -hmm. for a bit of a lead up, so like the the Trails of Cold Steel is, uh, it's a long, this is a a four part series and uh, this one is the third part of that. And so the, the kind of the bit of the lead up towards it is that um, it's so much to talk about. I guess I'll try to focus more on the third one. But essentially there, there was an old class seven that started in the first two games, which featured uh, Rian Schwarzer, the, the, the main hero or the main protagonist of, of this uh, particular series in the franchise and in the third one Green uh, actually has graduated from the Thor's Military Academy and is now uh, a professor or a instructor himself in the branch campus of Thor's and there's uh, they have the new class seven now so he's actually teaching his own students and um, the, the ongoing thing is as that they're the the villains leading up to this point are the are the Society of Ouroboros. So they're conducting experiments uh, throughout the Empire, causing mischief and that sort of thing. And so Reen and his class are kind of going around Erebonia, trying to uh, stop whatever the, the bad stuff that's going on. Um, at the same time, the Erebonia um, is uh, inching closer and closer to war with uh, Calvard, the republic that's uh, on their border and uh, Gili- uh, Giliath Osborne is the um, the Chancellor uh, of the Empire, and so there's this like kind of three-way battle between the Goliath, who is like the leader of the Iron Bloods, this this small group of people, and uh, Ouroboros and Thor's basically. And uh, by the end of Trails of Cold Steel Three, the Goliath has uh, joined forces with Ouroboros to uh, bring about. Uh, what it's it's called the Great Twilight. So it's basically an event that's kind of like an apocalypse for uh, Erebonia. It's basically meant to to signify the end of Erebonia. And for whatever reason, um, the Ouroboros and uh, Goliath Osborne want to bring this about. And so Class Seven, obviously a bunch of heroes, good guys, they do not want this to happen. So the the game uh, probably about forty fifty hours, I guess, um, depending on how many the side quests you do, but. By the time you get to the end, the the old class seven has uh, united with the new class seven and um, they are rushing to the Grawl of Erebos. Uh, this is where the the final boss is, is sleeping is basically they found where this this holy beast is, the nameless one. and um, the the whole point is that the by killing the the nameless one, it will uh, unleash the great Twilight upon Erebonia. So so that's kind of the lead up, I guess, uh, as much as I can. <laughs> there's tons of details, but that's that's leading up to it. And the final battle is, um, is a series of floors. So when you get to the Grawl, there's five floors. On a, and on each floor, there's a group of villains waiting to uh, at least slow down or stop the, the group of heroes. So when you get to the first group, there's uh, ba- basically, I think, about three or four on each floor. And what happens is, is um, certain characters from your group break apart and take on these these um, villains, and then the rest of the group continues on while they're fighting. So basically, it's a series of fights, and I think it works really well because you're really forced to play like all these different characters. I I can't remember exactly how many. There's probably like twenty of them, or twenty or some odd of the different characters that you're fighting with. So the strategies are different in each floor. So you're using different characters, maybe characters that you aren't as familiar with because maybe you didn't use them as much throughout the game. Um, but you're, yeah, you're fighting on each floor. And as you get down to the each floor, you get to the very bottom and the only people left are Reen and the new Class 7. And they have to take on the Nameless One. And so it starts off as, um, uh, it's this big, mon- huge dragon that they're fighting. And they have this. Um, so you you fight them in two phases. They're the first phases with Reen and the Class Seven uh, just kind of mono a mono. They they're attacking the dragons with their weapons uh, in, in person. And so the it, it's a fairly uh, like it's not the most challenging boss battle that I've ever faced, but it, it's enough that it you got you have to think about it. Like you, you do have to do strategy. It's not just to mash the buttons and. Um, uh, just full-on attack like you have to strategize when you're going to use your heels when you're going to do buffs and that sort of thing so it's a pretty decent uh battle and then it, the second phase happens where you have to the the dragon kind of powers up and you have to um enter the divine knight valimar so it's basically you're kind of for anyone not familiar with the series it's like they they go into gundams i guess would be the these giant robots um, so, uh, Reen goes in the Divine Knight, and are other Class 7 students go into the Panzer Soldats, and they basically fight the dragon again in a second phase as these, um, in these big robots, and so that's another, um, now this part of the battle is actually a bit easier than the the beginning, the, when you're fighting just, uh, as, as the, the regular people, but, um, still pretty fun, uh, for the second phase, and then, uh, the ending, um, because this is the third or fourth, there's not... Necessarily a satisfying conclusion, but there's a pretty neat ending in the sense that um, I I kind of liken it to *Trails of Cold Steel 3 to kind of like *The Empire Strikes Back* in the sense that the at the very end the hero kind of uh, goes bananas because the the person one of the people he's trying to protect ends up dying, and um, so he kind of goes nuts on the villain and is like stabbing it multiple times to with a just to make sure it's dead. And then so what ends up happening is because he's killed the 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 black holy beast it actually does unleash the 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 great twilight on erebonia and so you see this wave of darkness um spread out across the empire and you you see a bit of the aftermath of uh where it's kind of riling people up and and you could see that uh, the bad guys have won it's basically like kind of the way the the empire straight backs uh ends is that the bad guys kind of have the upper hand the heroes in a bad way and then the the game kind of kind of cut cuts out from then because <laughs> it's uh, yes, leading yeah. into the fourth to one be continued. to be continued. But yeah, it's it's very much that kind of like you know things things look as bad as they could. So it's the the conclusion in some sense leaves you you know you, you get a bit of a satisfying with more questions. Yeah, it's, it's like it leaves you prepared. Like you want to play the fourth one right away because you're like I need to know what happens. Like it's 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 it just captures like your attention. Like you just, you, you want to play, you want to find out what happens to reen. Um, so I think it just succeeds in, in, uh, keeping you hooked. Uh, it, it, it's a great conclusion to a story to, to keep your imagination in there. And
2: I was, yeah, I was
0: wondering what's going to happen, how they're going to get out of this. And and it just makes cold steel
2: Four even that much better. Yeah. I was going to say, sometimes I feel like when, You know, games or or TV shows, you know, leave that big old cliffhanger or, you know, really, like you said, sort of oh, like you solve or you get one answer and then it opens up a whole nother, you know, box of questions. And Mm -hmm. obviously, it sounds like they've definitely got the hook in you to see what was, you know, going on with four. Obviously, I know you already played that, but did you feel like they gave you enough like you like you were satisfied, you know, with three how they sort of ended it and how they sort of opened the door or was it a little bit, you know, frustration? Like, ah, I wish I sort of knew what was going on. No, I like personally,
0: I, I, I thought it was a little abrupt, like when, when the ending actually happened, but the, the, the length of the fight up to that point, like, I think it was about an hour from the point where you enter the grawl until like the, where it cuts out and it's like tuned back into, you know, the final conclusion. But I, I definitely didn't feel disappointment when it ended like it, it it felt like okay like this this was a a good way to end and now you've hooked me for the next one like that that's the feeling I came away
2: gotcha okay so it sounds like they hit like the yeah.
0: nice balance there
1: I mean the game itself was so good that even even if the ending uh or at the end of that final boss yeah it did kind of pull the rug out from under you like you you were more. Oh, I, I really want to see what happens and not like, are you kidding me? Like, we'd already played like a 60, 80 hour game. Like, you, you don't really mind, like, I don't know, j- the game just ending there, I suppose. Like, I, I, I wasn't, I certainly wasn't disappointed by it. I was more like, re- I, I, was, I was, you know, kudos to them for like, doing so, kind of doing something like that right like i think it's hard for game games always want to have like a a definite a definite kind of solid ending and the the ones that don't sometimes get criticized for that but i think they they do they they have been setting up stuff like this throughout the story and throughout the trilogy and even in some of the other games as well so uh, there was no kind of love lost between between me and that ending either
0: yeah well yeah it's not nothing new for the franchise itself like they've been doing it for a while yeah It, it kind of it Reminds me of the Final Fantasy Seven remake ending where um they they tacked on an additional ending because they weren't a hundred percent sure <laughs> that there was going to be like more games to follow up. like, you know, remake is is obviously just midgar like you you're playing Final Fantasy Seven uh, through Midgar and then that's where it ends. And it seemed like Square wasn't 100% sure there would be anything past this Midgard. Like if it failed, they weren't going to obviously, you know, p- put the investment into it. So they kind of added this ending to it to make it f- so that if they didn't do any more, if it did fail, then at least the people that played um, w- would feel a sense of, uh, I don't know, completion, I guess. Or I don't know, like, the, the, I guess they did they wanted to make sure that you had this fight with Sephiroth if this was the kind of a one and done thing. And and to me that kind of felt tacked in, like especially since it's based on a previous game, like so the, I thought the boss battle fight in Final Fantasy VII Remake was amazing, but the it just seemed odd the the way that it was set up, uh, to to kind of like a conclusion to the end, even though it's not really conclusion. This is supposed to be part one of you know two or three, but um mm-hmm. yeah with with yeah you felt like they're almost pressured into it. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, you know we people are going to be upset if there isn't an ending or something where it's like with trails of cold steel, like they give you this, you know, here is an ending, but it's definitely not the real ending. And you can still do that and feel satisfied with like the experience. Like I enjoyed this game. I'm ready for the next one. Bring it on. Alrighty. Well, like I said, those were, uh, those were our four. They're, they're the, the top ones that we have so far. And, I think uh, this, this is probably something we'll come back to later on uh, in a few months, maybe is to come back and talk about more because there's so many different boss battle fights that, that could have been talked mm. about. Uh, I like we touched upon a few at the beginning and uh, it, when we were talking about um, the different aspects or whatever. And uh, so we'll, mm-hmm. we might see them again in the future, but um, yeah, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to, to kind of circling back to this topic again in the future. For
1: sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think uh, definitely some amazing boss battles out there, and, and I always like, you know, talking to other people about stuff like this because, again, you know, we get to hear about games, you know, you don't really play, and, and you don't really have an idea, and then you get to sort of, you know, peel back the curtain a little bit and see how different developers handle, you know, different things within uh, boss battles and, you know, everything that goes into that. So to me, it's always cool to sort of get other people's backgrounds of, uh, different stuff too.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: This is the last call for alcohol this evening. Drink up, drink
2: up, drink up and order again.
0: This is the last call for alcohol. Get but, going. uh, I guess it's a good time. This is going to be another one of those longer episodes, I think. And, uh, but we'll get into last call now. And for this week, uh, what we're talking about is job classes. And uh, so we're going to be talking about our go-to job class. And we're going to discuss, you know, when we were younger, what 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 kind of, like, where did we gravitate towards? What did we choose? And maybe if it's kind of changed with time now that we're getting a little bit older, a little bit grayer. And um, maybe, Casey, if you want to kick us off with uh, with your go-to job class, maybe of, of past and present
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. So it's funny because this was something I was thinking about the other day. So in the past, when I was younger, I always, always, always gravitated towards uh, spell casters um, or, you know, just pretty much range with magical uh, spells was sort of my go to. So when I think like the the first game, I really think about this choice being, um, you know, sort of a big decision. Well, actually, the one that first comes to mind is Diablo 2, right? Because you've got all sorts of different characters. You've got, you know, an Amazon who is ranged, but, you know, she's, you know, using a bow and arrow or a crossbow generally or javelin. But, you know, a ranged kind of physical damage dealer. But I always like the sorceress or maybe, you know, the necromancer, which, you know, sort of relies on, um, you know, bringing up minions and and you know ghouls and skeletons but then also using some spells to attack from afar but even and then what i just thought about there was gauntlet legends i was always sort of the wizard the caster from back um but over the years it has very much changed complete opposite uh even like when i first started uh warcraft back in the day i was a priest uh, or a mage you know what i mean uh healing or doing you know magical damage from afar but uh i'm definitely now a wholehearted no frills about it melee kind of guy um you know when i'm playing diablo like now i'm messing with the barbarian you know or uh the monk if you're playing diablo 3 or the paladin um you know i as far as warcraft goes i've you know the the past um recently when i restarted playing but even you know before the long hiatus i was i changed to be a tank you know where i'm up front I'm taking the damage and, you know, keeping the boss on me kind of thing. So it, it is very much, I don't know why it shifted <laughs> or exactly when, but it, it it very much drastically went from, you know, spell to to up close and personal. And even when I go back and I play, um, you know, some games where I'm trying, you know, some, some casters and stuff, it's just, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I just like to be close to the enemy, or like if they're moving around, I have to move around and stick close to them, opposed to like, oh, I just need to be in range. I, I don't know if I find that just more satisfying, but uh, but yeah, definitely a complete philosophical change uh, from when I was younger to to present day.
1: Yeah, I feel like uh, I kind of align with Casey a little bit. I, I started out really liking mage uh, classes as well, uh, something like a black mage, like it, one that would deal damage over one that would that would heal other characters um uh, i also like i think about a game like mass effect like we we recently got the announcement of the mass effect trilogy so obviously i'm thinking about you know what what kind of classes do i want to roll with uh in that game um because i think uh, as Shepard i think you can play like a default like a, a, a main class and then a secondary class if i'm not mistaken um but uh, I, I like uh characters that can build their own turrets or build their own kind of like things that can defend them or thing like, you know, even something that can be a decoy. Like I, I like characters like that. Um, I probably still gravitate towards ones like that. So like mechanics or um, I, I, engineers, I suppose, or something like that. Uh, they've got range, uh, but they can also kind of build things to help other people. I, I, I like those ideas. Um, nowadays, like I, <laughs> I, in the interest of trying to finish games as quickly as I can, uh, I'll sometimes I'll just pick whichever character I think is um, kind of no no nonsense or can you maybe it is a very physical fighter maybe it's someone who uh, uh, I don't need to worry about uh, putting uh, different skill points into a lot of different things to get good I can just kind of focus on damage 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 Um, or I'll just keep raising strength focus on maybe one weapon type like swords and just gonna fly through the game that way so um, I guess now my my preference is necessarily the one I'll find the most fun but just the one that allow me to experience the most games uh, with the time that I have um, that's it if, if I'm replaying a game like I, I will try to go back to it and maybe play a mage like so we, we, you know, we've we been mentioning Demon's Souls and you know, David and I are going to start playing that very soon um, <laughs> I, I'm not even sure what class I want to go with that game like I, I'm very intrigued by that because I've played Dark Souls and Demon Souls games with uh, like casters or with, with physical ones. I haven't really played a lot with, uh, maybe heavier characters, like ones that are slower, but hit harder. I don't usually play that style. Uh, I usually play, you know, maybe kind of a medium, uh, size character where I can, I can block with a shield or I can roll around a little bit, maybe do a little bit of magic. I, I, I do like having healing spells, uh, in Soulsborne games, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know what I'm going to do here, but usually I'll just go for something that'll uh, kind of quick and dirty, I guess, is the way uh, the way it would work for me. David, what about you?
0: Um, well, actually, maybe we'll just, I'll let uh, Paige uh, just go before me, and um, Yes, sure. Yeah, and she can uh, tell us about uh, her experiences with the job class.
3: Well, early on, I didn't really play RPGs much, just had some Pokemon. Um, and out of, like, you know, now that I've gotten more into RPGs, I haven't really played a lot where you get to pick your class specifically. I know there's a few Dragon Quest with lots of customizations, but I've mostly just played um, 8 and 11 where the hero is just a default, what they can do. Um, with the only choices really being maybe like a weapon divergence. So like in Dragon Quest 11 you could make him have a two-handed weapon instead. And you know, that skill tree, but that's about it. Um I suppose in Final Fantasy 14 I picked Paladin because no one who was starting with me wanted to tank. Um <clears throat> and now I'm so used to those mechanics I'm too scared to try anything that isn't a tank cuz in Final Fantasy 14 you can just it's like a job system, you can just switch between them.
0: Well that's that's the that's the thing with uh job classes um it, it, it's so easy to to be accustomed to a, a particular job or class um that that you kind of like when you go from game to game it's it's one of those things where once you've kind of gotten acclim- uh, acclimated to one it's hard to it's hard to really push yourself into others like a...
3: yeah like in this one i can choose between different ones but i don't really want to um, and and in this as a paladin in final fantasy 14 i actually have a shield glam because you can change the looks of your weapons, so they're still the high stat weapon but they look different like a different item um, and with that, I can pay respect to a character in game because I can have their family shield as my shield on my back always. Yeah, especially um, Final
0: Fantasy fourteen, Like, it's I uh, they they've made it. I know they made it a bit easier to to do that juggling, but it just uh, it's just so scary. They don't even, explain
3: it very well. <laughs> yeah,
0: and then it just I just feel odd. Like it's it's almost like giving up the stuff that I that you've put all that effort and time into, and it's like, oh, all right, starting over. I, I guess I, I see the value in it, but it's still, I can see how people would be reluctant to, to just give up that stuff, you know?
3: Oh, well, the the glamming thing is you can put things in a glamour dresser, so you can put those things, maybe that you like the look of, that you worked hard for, or whatever. Um, and then you can put cast that appearance onto whatever equipment you're currently wearing, so you can still look like you're holding your favourite weapon, or dress or whatever okay while well. still having all the stats and that of your proper gear that's yeah. appropriate <laughs> <laughs> um and then you mentioned monster Hunter at the start so i have to say that uh it's gun lance and only gun lance because it's a lance that has a gun and i've never tried any other weapons because <laughs> why would i <laughs> uh so i hope yeah I know it's not in the first game, so I hope it, if I, I don't know what I'd do if I ever went back and played the first game in the series.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because with Monster Hunter, there's um, there's like eight or ten, right? Different weapons.
3: Um, I have to check. Um, ooh, it says eighteen. Really, I'm gonna have to have a look at this. <laughs> <Is> that <laughs> many. Um, Monster even more Hunter than I, I thought. Ah, oh, okay. There's a there's there's a few that because there's like the online only like games, some of which are like only in China. There's a few more. I'll try to count how many are in the ma- main series. Over ten, anyway. <laughs> That's... There's just quite a few. Yeah, the um, the two. Uh, so the the,
0: re- the only Monster Hunter I have played is uh, the Gener. I think it's Generations Four, like the one that came out on Switch. And, Generations um, Ultimate yeah yeah so i started um i started with the great sword, but mm-hmm. I just felt like it was uh a little bit too slow so I switched over to the dual blades
3: which is uh, the fastest weapon you can probably have in the game yeah <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so um yeah i don't and, and it's hard to even say uh i don't know if I even left with a preference because like it's i, I I enjoy being able to do it faster, but then the the weaker weapon was kind of a letdown a bit. So it's yeah.
3: Well, like, thankfully there are lots of different weapons to choose between, and there are some people who you know make sure to try different weapons out and plot, you know so that they can use what's the most the best for each situation or each fight. It's just that you know, gunlets is my first and only love, and I don't need anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: right. <laughs>
3: Um, so, I, I'm, they actually, I'm assuming, I was, does it have ammo, sorry?
0: like, you have to make your own, um, like, do you have to make your own No, ammo I don't.
3: That? The Yeah, there are, like, the machine guns and, like, the maybe even the bow, they actually have ammo you need to, like, craft or coat and stuff, but mm-hmm. the gun lances' ammo does not, like, it's shells, you just reload, and that doesn't use anything, you just have to, like, do an animation and then you reload it. <laughs> so,
0: oh! Isn't that neat?
3: Yeah. It's pretty yeah, it's pretty good, and yeah I've got my big shield so I can avoid it well, so even if I can't avoid a lot of attacks, I can at least take a bit less damage,
0: so you're convinced that uh if the whenever the next monster hunter comes to switch it's gun lance and only gun lance you don't think uh yes. things will change with oh you're you're all set
3: no, nah, I mean maybe if they introduce a new weapon you know I'll stop, uh, even then, I don't think so uh the last time I think they added a new weapon was four it was. Uh, Uh, I was just thinking when times because I mentioned monster hunter a lot here. I was thinking, oh, that used to be a new weapon, and that was like what everyone was doing—the insect glaive—because that was the new thing. Um, I'm watching a video where they mentioned there was like one point in the series where they actually took away some of the weapons, and people got pretty mad about that. So they actually vowed that they're never gonna remove a weapon type again. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> Um So you don't have to worry yeah. about, you know, if you're like me and you're only like one thing, you're not going to have to worry about losing that going forward. Um, and I think that's why they d- don't add too many more weapon types as well, aside from possibly being lower on ideas. It's also because then they have to keep that with the whole series.
0: Yeah, I could see people getting upset if their favorite weapon was taken away.
3: Yeah, it'd, I guess it'd be the same thing, you know, if you have your favorite class or something, and then that's not in... And the next game in the series
0: yeah well i'm even thinking of like something like um elder scroll six like i could just imagine uh i know from from my personal feeling if, if i i couldn't be the stealthy archer i'd be pretty upset so hmm. i i feel for anyone who uh, might lose their monster hunter weapon i i Sticking with it is, is sounds good And you would think that they would just be able to to Maybe, like they wouldn't obviously add too many But as the te- technology gets better um, You think Maybe they can add a couple here and there If they wanted to spice it up But otherwise uh, If it's not broke, why fix it, you know
3: Yeah I mean, if you look at the list of what weapons are available Can you tell me other there any you can think of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, that's you can't that, I can't just say gun. There's already guns, basically. Yeah,
0: that's right. There's, I guess there's only so many weapons unless they start like putting in nunchucks or something.
3: Yeah, like a chain sickle or something. Just a yeah.
0: size. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the they actually the because everything comes back to Legend of Heroes. That was actually one of um, uh, one of my favorite weapons was uh, Ash's. Ash had uh, 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 the uh, that exact thing. The uh, it was a scythe, but it was it had like a chain. It was on a chain, so he could throw it and Wait, wrap it around think, people and stuff.
3: I think they're called like kasari gamas or something like that. I can't remember exactly, so it might be some syllables the wrong way around. Yeah, but yeah, I always thought that was an interesting weapon.
0: Yeah, that might be difficult to uh, put into Monster Hunter, but maybe maybe they got uh, maybe they can figure. Well,
3: I think they also need to focus on making different. Um, you know, each monster, almost every monster, gives you a weapon from its parts. So it needs some. It needs to be something that can have cool designs on it.
0: Mm, Right. I, yeah. I guess it's kind of like uh, Super Smash Brothers in that regard, where it's like you can add something, but then it, it like affects everything. So it's yeah. It's more than just adding in weapons. There's there's a lot more thought to it. That's uh, that that has to go to in, go into it. Yep. Yeah, I guess I'll I'll just finish up with... Uh, it's funny, when we were talking about uh, the job class, um, most of the games that came to mind for me were all, like, Western RPGs. <laughs> I was thinking of, like, stuff like Bethesda and Bioware games. And um, thinking back to w- my youth, it's it's funny. I've almost got, like, the opposite uh, uh, trend with, with you guys, where I actually... I, when I was younger, I was more... I gravitated more towards the the warrior or the sword user. Um the 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 kind of get in there the get in the face of enemies hack away um fighting like getting just kind of going in full blast with like all offense no defense that sort of thing um but yeah but now that as i've i get older i've gotten a bit older i'm finding myself more going towards like the rogue archer uh or like the uh the i guess the Staying away and kind of sneakily fighting <laughs> sort of classes. Um, I guess the the thing that comes to mind most for me is like something like Skyrim where, you know, when I first played Skyrim, I was I had I think I had uh, like a fire in the left hand and some kind of uh, blunt instrument in my right hand. And I would just go in and hack and a slash and I'm burning and, and then uh, I ended up more going towards like an assassin where I was uh, really relying on stealth and shooting arrows from uh, the shadows and that sort of thing. And um, yeah, and even now, like, I just find myself gravi- gravitating more towards uh, rogue characters. Um, to a certain extent, I almost wonder if uh, if some of it is partly because uh, it's kind of like I- I've kind of been there, done that with the warrior types. Mm-hmm. And maybe I, th- I think I'm just finding myself in video games these days trying things that I'm not used to, I guess, would probably be the the way to look at it. Like maybe trying to do classes that I- I- I'm not always... Uh, haven't always traditionally yeah, been not to. your
2: bread and butter, right? So sort to of put you out of your comfort zone a little bit, maybe.
0: Yeah, like just to to find a new experience, like, um, you know, I'm getting up on there in years. I played a lot of video games, so like a, a lot of times, video games are gonna feel a bit uh of the same. Like, you know, that some RPGs have elements of others where you know they, they kind of feel a bit of the same. So the I guess the way I see of kind of getting that fresh experience is trying it with a character that I I don't always try I guess and most I guess recently that's kind of like that rogue character so um and and I guess there's a little bit of uh uh, of of being um I don't know if it's like just kind of fun to be the asshole I guess uh in some of these games like you know we joke about being like playing as the witcher and like uh you know someone looks at me the wrong way in a bar and just taking them all out sort of thing like I just (laughs) just find that uh you know humorous sir, i guess it, it brings me some entertainment so yeah i think
2: uh I david think likes rogue... being the bad guy every once in a while
0: yeah that's right the anti-hero i guess i'm i'm in my anti-hero phase i suppose
1: uh, i like the idea that you're you're in your, your rogue or shooting people in the back of the head uh, back of the head with an arrow phase like that's <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, 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 but I hear you. Like, I, I, like, my latest you know, latest, like, maybe a little while ago, but the last character I played on Skyrim, uh, was a rogue archer. Cause I, I never go with that class. I really don't. Like, I, I don't like sneaking. I don't like stealth. So I generally don't play characters that have to sneak around and can't get caught. Uh, I'd rather, I would rather get caught and have everyone come out and fight me right now. Um, <laughs> even, even the old it, assassin creed special even if i'm a mage even if i'm a mage <laughs> even if i'm playing like a, a shooting game like I, i'd rather not sneak around that much I, I i would rather just you know go in guns blazing so um, i I
2: agree dude St- stealth sucks yeah Ugh.
1: i mean I, I i especially don't like when it's shoehorned into games where it doesn't fit like i, I, I get, i've again i've been talking to casey about uh PS5 games I'm going to try out and you know I'm going to play watchdogs and I think there's a lot more stealth in that game and then I'm going to switch to Assassin's Creed um uh Valhalla is it Valhalla? Um. And yep. I'm I'm gonna do the opposite, right? Like I'm gonna just you know pump up, you know, grab dual axes or something and just hack away like uh, like a Viking would do. You no know, no Viking is doing stealth sneaking around, I don't think. So uh, it's yeah. kind of the two <laughs> it's kind of the two sides of the coin there, I guess, right? And I know I'm gonna enjoy one experience more than the other because of that. But but you know you're right, dude. Like, you know good for you for like trying trying new new classes and playing games in a different way uh after yeah just you know hacking everyone to pieces like you normally do
0: yeah well even with like games with um guns and that sort of thing like something like fallout like i just found like back in the day i'd probably use like a machine gun and just run in and fire away but now i i enjoy like using sniper Mm -hmm. rifles from a distance and that sort of thing so um even even in goofy games like playing Fortnite with my son or something like i'll i'll let him be the uh the guy who builds the stuff and fires off shotguns, and I'll be the one that hangs back and tries to snipe. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it's uh, yeah. the good teamwork. I just, I just.
2: So you're sending yeah, him out to yeah. die, huh? That's
0: <laughs> right. <ready to laughs> target. The, let let <laughs> let him uh, draw the attention. That's uh, that's my strategy. Send uh, send both kids out. Send we, out the uh, diversion so after... David
2: could rack up those kills.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing we uh, have. Um, my son and daughter—they're both into into it. So when they get home from school, we we play a a, a squad where the, there's three of us and usually one rando. And um, but we all have our uh, we all have our roles. So I, I'll be the the sniper that hangs back, and um, my daughter's the healer, and my son's the builder and the the agitator. Oh, do you guys have any final thoughts before we head into the outro? Uh, I think we've got a lot more boss
1: battles to talk about along the way. So you know, thanks to Ben for suggesting the topic. I think it's a really good one. Um, and I, I like the idea of kind of maybe deep diving uh, boss fights and just the, the surroundings rather than uh, giving a list. I, I thought we would just kind of do like a back and forth kind of you know rapid fire list. But I think it's more compelling to talk about what makes the boss battles so interesting and so memorable. Uh, and talking about kind of the setup and then the how they contribute to the ending of the game—I think all of that is uh, a lot more uh, interesting to talk about or meaningful. So, uh, this yeah, this is a really good topic, and I'm, I'm looking forward to revising it at uh, down the line. Yep, for sure, I
0: agree. Uh, before you before you do the outro though, Jordan, I'm just gonna I'm gonna steal the beginning of it because Unbelievable. Um, we have a, a bit of a, a bit of an ask for the Mage listeners out there. If uh, for if anyone says, um, uses YouTube, all right. So, uh, Paige, you, sh- you should really. Um, let us know how to how everyone can get to your YouTube channel because we know that um, you're very very close to the monetization so um, anyone listening now uh, if if you haven't already subscribed to Paige's YouTube channel um, we'll have her tell us uh, how to get there and uh, it would uh, help her out to subscribe so that uh, it, it it being so close uh, let's let's get her over the finish line here so uh, Paige let us know. Um, <laughs> where you're at and where we can find you.
3: Well, um on Twitter you can if you just find me at Page G Guy, I have my YouTube link in bio. Or if you just search on YouTube, uh my name Page DetLifson, that's the name of my channel. But yeah, I'm about yeah. currently I'm about like forty subscribers away from being eligible for monetization, so now it's not even about whether people watch anything, it's just like just need that many people <laughs> to press the button.
0: Oh, those uh, those YouTube uh, YouTube and their algorithms. It's uh, yeah. it's making the making the computer happy. That's oh, so, right, Yeah, you know, if we can get those... as soon as I meet the yeah.
3: requirements, they'll change it. That's... <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's
0: the that's the thing is if we can get you across the finish line before uh, the end of the end of the year, maybe you'll be okay. You'll get grandfathered in. So
3: yeah. Oh <laughs> well, um, thanks for having me. Oh no, thanks thanks
0: for coming and uh, we'll. Uh, if uh, we'll also put the um, in the notes too, so anyone uh, if anyone who's listening doesn't have Twitter and they want to find uh, the link as well, just uh, check the notes of the uh, the podcast episode, and there should be a, a link there or at least a, a copy and paste that you'd be able to do. So, um, yep, yeah, like, glad to have Paige out, and again, uh, anyone who's uh, got a YouTube account, uh, the, the the helping us out, helping out Paige would be great. I think that takes us to the
1: end of our uh, best boss battles uh, part one episode. I guess I'll say uh, thank you yep. to everyone for uh, for joining us on this one. This was a lot of fun. Um, we've got an episode on I am Setsuna coming up next week. Uh, I think it's just gonna be David and myself. Uh, but we've played through the game. Uh, David, did you have you finished it? Or are you getting close? Where Where are you about now?
0: I I will be. I'm at. I'm you... like right in front of the final boss. I I am gonna okay. find out if I have to grind, but I'll definitely gotcha. be finished before the episode.
1: Yeah. So we'll be kind of dissecting, taking that game apart. Uh, and there, there's, there's a fair bit to unpack, uh, both good and bad. Um, but yeah, stay tuned for that coming up, uh, next week. Uh, we will be sharing, uh, thoughts on PlayStation 5, some impressions, uh, if not next week, the week after. So you can look forward to those coming up soon as well. I think David mentioned it earlier in the, in the episode, but, uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app, uh, leave us a five-star review. That'd be awesome. Helps with visibility. Um, we also have a Patreon. I think David will give you some more details about that.
0: Yep. So there's the, right now we have the three tiers. So there's the warrior class tier, which gets you, um, early access to the show when, uh, when I'm able to get it edited and out the door, uh, before Sunday, which we usually, uh, release the, the podcast. Uh, it also gives you access to a private chat room in our discord, uh, which I, uh, Invite everyone to the the main Discord. It's a, a great place to talk about RPGs and have a, a positive uh, conversations about stuff. It's a it's a great great uh, group of people to uh, talk with, and it's always a, a joy. And um, the next two phases up are the uh, White Mage class and the Black Mage class. So the White Mage class is five dollars a month, and it gets you access to all the same features, but then it also gives you access to Um, codes for free video games so you get to uh, play a game and then you get to share your thoughts on it uh, with with everyone with the world and the black clay black mage class is the the same thing for ten dollars a month but then you also get producer credit in our uh, videos so you'll see your name uh, on our youtube channel so um We'll be adding in new rewards uh, as we get into 2021, but um, th- that's uh, if you want to see what we've got so far, head on over to patreon.com slash mage.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, I think that just about does it for us then. Uh, Casey, do you want to tell people where they can find you and what you're working on?
2: Uh, Sure, yeah, you can uh, check me out on the Talk Nintendo podcast. We uh, have new episodes up every Thursday weekly. Have not missed in uh, like two hundred and eighteen episodes, so we're we're going strong there. Uh, and you can find that pretty much anywhere on uh, any of the podcast catchers. But on Twitter at TalkNintendoPod, uh, that's TalkNintendo P-O-D, And uh, if you feel like following me, Case underscore Jets, where you can get all your sad New York sports information. Although light at the end of the on tunnel, upswing. Yes, we're up the yes. Un- uh, <laughs> We're on the upswing on all fronts, dude. Islanders looking good. Mets have a new owner. Jets are so bad that maybe we get Trevor Lawrence and turn it around. Let's go, 2020—the year of the New York sports team.
1: Look at you being uh, positive and upbeat. We we need we need more of that on the podcast. So that's good. oh,
2: it's I—it's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you can only be so depressed about sports for so long. You know, it's got to turn around. I hear you. Um,
1: Yeah, so I think that'll do it for us uh, for this episode, so thanks again for joining us everybody, stay tuned for I Am Setsuna next week, and we'll talk to you then Have a good night, bye Adios
0: Bye